is That Good For You, a podcast all about sex and relationships. We cover everything from kinks to long distance dating and everything in between. Thank you so much, Shani, for being on today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah. Me too. Do you want to maybe tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So my name's Shawnee. Um, I grew up in the Bay Area, um, and which was amazing. I was very lucky to be able to grow up where I did in Marin County and went to school all over. Um, very joyous little being and have had lots of fun in my life. Um, lots of crazy things going in and out, you know, <laughs> um, especially in the lines of you know, relationship wise, like coming from many different experiences when it comes to sexual interactions and things like that, that have really developed who I am, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny you say that because I feel like I don't know anybody from the Bay Area who like is upset about it. Like everybody's like, I love the Bay Area. I love that I grew up there. Like I love that area. They just like anybody from the Bay Area, I feel like rides so hard for it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) It's definitely, it's a very open community. Like it's, it's, I'd say it's a really great place to really kind of find yourself. A lot of people, at least that I, I mean, there's a kind of like a two way street. There's a lot of people who will stay here because they love it so much, you know, like never, ever leave kind of area people. And then there's the other ones who are, you know, build this whole amazing um, trajectory of life. That's that, you know, just building on themselves and their authenticity. Um, And I feel like that's a big part of it is a part of the Bay area culture of just being yourself and like, you know, that hyphy movement of like a lot of energy and excitement for life and um, the movement of life and growth of life. I love that. Yeah. (laughs) So do you feel like you grew up in a community or like even like a family life that was like more kind of just like open and accepting and liberal in that way? Cause I always make the joke that like, it's funny that I'm in the line of work I'm in now because I grew up in Miami, which is like seen as a big city, but is also very, I think traditional in its thinking. Cause like a lot of just like Latinx people are really traditional and especially a lot of them are Catholic. And I, I grew up and was raised Catholic. And so I definitely kind of like strayed away from all of that as I moved out to California and kind of realized I love talking about this stuff, but it feels like maybe you had a a, quite a different experience. I'd say yes. Um, I, I kind of like ebb and flow. Like I feel like, um, my family was very open and different and my mom, I mean, she, I'm a product of her going abroad, um, to study in Ghana. And then, um, she got pregnant with my, uh, father calm sperm donor, but um, (laughs) part of her life, uh, funny joke, but, um, uh, he, she, and she, you know, had us there and then came back here. So already it was very different in the nineties, you know, for her to have two, um, black kids and, um, uh, my grandma was like a hippie in the movement. So I was very in that open kind of world. And then yeah. I went to a private school, um, a Christian private school, actually, or Catholic private school. And um, so there was definitely, I had very different kinds of communities, but I feel like that's what built the kind of openness that I have by being, having so much access to so many different kinds of livelihoods and ways of being. Yeah, I love that. That's actually so interesting because I feel like having you know, the aspect of a single mother, which I also mm-hmm. had and having like a grandma who was part of that movement, but then also having like, cause I always, I always talk, people are always like, oh, do so you like hate religion now? And I always say like, I think that humans like by nature are pretty good at kind of like fucking a lot of shit up. Um, <laughs> but I think like the core values of religion, like believing in something and like being a good person is beautiful. Like that mm-hmm. aspect of it, if you can like take that aspect is amazing. I think, like I said, humans, you know, cherry pick and they take things and they, you know, warp things for their own selfish needs, but like being able to kind of take all these different aspects of your life and like 
take the good out of them, I think mm-hmm. is probably just made you a better person. 100%. And even you bringing up the whole religion part, I feel like that's a very fascinating kind of aspect um, to the way that we are in this world. Like a lot of people, you know, will just pick one, but really they all have a collective underlining, you know, similarity of like this love and understanding of some bigger energy that is outside of us. Um, you know, and it's just that that kind of, and from being able to be a part of, like learn about so many different religions that my mom follows her own that she actually, um, you know, took from, um, back from, uh, Ghana when she came here. So I grew up with that as well. So just a lot of, you know, different opportunities to be able to learn about different things and different people all throughout the world, you know, and that openness is just really beautiful. For sure. Yeah, that sounds amazing. So if you don't mind me asking, uh, are you single right now? Are you dating? I am single, but I am dating. I personally love people. That's like okay. when I, I love dating. And um, I actually came to like a really big, like kind of like, you know, realization of that um, about two years ago after I um, got out of a relationship with my amazing ex-boyfriend um, of like three and a half years. And kind of started playing around, you know, like dating more people and stuff like that, you know, opening up my box um, in that way. Yeah. My experience in that way. Um, And I learned that by different partners, like I learned a lot about myself and also a lot about other people in the sense of like how to care and how to understand others. Um, You know, because when you are intimate with somebody, they really give you a lot more and a lot like a lot more of a perspective into, you know, their experience and what they go through. And we all go through different things, you know? Um, So like through, through dating, and I still feel this way through dating, I've been able to just build a lot deeper of a compassion and empathy for people. Um, And it's, I mean, it's been amazing. Like I love it. And it's helped me to also see what, I need and what I appreciate, you know, without any malice, you know, towards the other person or whatever, you know, it's like, if that doesn't work out, I know it didn't work. I liked you clearly for these reasons, but we don't mesh for, you know, for others. So let me move on and see what's better. And you just keep learning and growing to see what is best for you and what is probably best for them. You can even help, you know, going forward to help them to be able to build their best selves by being there. Absolutely. And I love there's two things specifically you you said that are so refreshing to me. The first one was you said my amazing ex-boyfriend, which I don't hear that often. Yeah. I I really love that. At first I was like, is she being sarcastic? And I was like, oh, I don't think she is. that's so refreshing. I love that. Yeah. That's like actually one of the that that's a big thing for me. Um, especially when it comes to exes. I personally I believe that. I mean, unless someone really does something awful, because obviously there's, you know, that real, real reality of like very, very, you know, negative and painful relationships and very abusive and all of that, you know, yeah. the whole line of stuff. Um, but I feel like if you're with somebody and things end just because, you know, one's not feeling it, it's, you know, that doesn't take away from, you know, the like the authenticity of your relationship. Like you loved each other, you cared for each other for a reason. Just because it's not intimate anymore or romantic anymore, it doesn't mean it can't be, you know, joyful still in some way. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I yeah. and 
I, I'm a big, I'm a big believer in that. And I'm definitely the kind of person and it obviously doesn't always go over well. Cause I think some people don't necessarily agree with us in that sense, mm-hmm. but I'm the kind of person who like the second a relationship or even like a situationship is over. I'm like, yeah. cool. Now we get to be best friends. Exactly. And certain people are like, um, okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I just, I, I very much want to be friends with exes as well. Cause it's like you said, it's like you build this relationship and you love them as a person you you know if you dated someone for a certain amount of time they obviously have good qualities and it's like why do we feel like we immediately have to just cut that person off and like lose kind of like the benefits of that friendship just because at one point in time you know we were intimate or whatever exactly and I honestly I actually think um, a big part of that has to do with like the insecurities and the insecurities we end up building over time that are based on the expectations that we're told and yeah. you know, trained to understand um, within relationships. And I think that it's almost like this ego, you know, draw for like, you know, one side of the equation, at least it's like, I can't deal with it because I don't want to feel like I've lost somebody in the right. way that I'm supposed to have them because we're taught that there's only a certain kind of relationship that you can have with people um, at a certain level. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if that was clear, but do you know what I mean? No, absolutely. Yeah. I feel like it's almost this this inherently and not even in an attacking way, but it's almost like this inherently selfish thing where it's like yeah. you were mine at one point. And so if you're yeah. not mine, then we have to have this like animosity toward each other. And I think that also kind of extends to like when people start finding other people, it's very hard, even if you think you're over someone to kind of like be like, okay, I can just be happy for you. We oh, didn't yeah. work out and that's fine. It's like, we've been taught that like, if you had someone once, they're kind of yours forever. And anything other than that is supposed to make you feel really terrible. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and it doesn't need to be that way. So I love that. I love that you referred to him as that. And then the yeah. and then the other thing I found refreshing was just like in general. I think people. I feel like there's this old this old saying where it's like, oh, you have to be single um, to find yourself, and you shouldn't oh, yeah. always be dating, and blah blah blah. And it's like for a while you grow up and you believe that that's true. Yeah. But then I've had conversations where I'm like, I feel I'm a serial monogamist, yeah. and I feel like I know more about myself. And I know more about how to handle other people and deal with other people's emotions because I've been in so many relationships. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm very different from you. I'm not really a monogamous, but I will have many partners. Kind yeah. of like, um, but I always, I kind of, I have this weird, I don't know if it's just, I don't know why it works this way always, but it's always like I have a really deep friendship with the people I'm with um, yeah. on top of the romantic aspect. So it kind of just, the relationship ebbs and flows to where it's supposed to be, you know what I mean? Um, And, but exactly kind of what you're saying is like, by being with these people, you learn like a certain way of loving yourself or what you needed to learn from that relationship. Like what, what, how I say with my ex-boyfriend, he taught me, he was there for me when I really needed someone to love me. And I really needed someone to be there to help me and take care of me and make me feel supported. And, um, you know, like there was always going to be somebody there because I didn't feel like I had that a lot of the time growing up um, with a lot of my different relationships, you know, family, right. friends, whatever. And um, so I know, like, even though I, you know, I know that maybe for us, it wasn't, we, we weren't supposed to be forever, even though, you know, for a time being, it, I definitely thought that, you know, through the three and a yeah. half years, obviously, but I was able to understand that he gave me something and we gave each other something really special. And that still means something, even if we're not together. Absolutely. I love that energy and I love that mindset. And I feel like if more people thought like that, they would just be able to 
I don't know. I think that I think that it's good that you go into this so positive because I feel like people a lot of times go into dating so negatively and they yeah. hate dating and they're like, I, I can't meet another person. I can't do it. Versus yeah. you where it's like, what is this next person going to bring me? What are they going to teach me? What am I going to teach them? What are they going to show me? And I think that dating would be a lot more fun if people went into it that way. Yeah. And honestly, I think it's even, um, I think what, how I helped, how it, I supported that for myself is I started learning how to take dating and friendship and not separate them, you know, right. kind of collide them in that way. Because if you're going to be intimate with someone, you should be able to communicate and have like some kind of, um, you know, sometimes actually, you know, obviously not the case, having some fun little flings is always good too, of course, you know, that excitement of lust and everything, but yeah. just being able to identify and know, you know, and understand that, uh, you know, that re- relationships are all a part of your life and you're going to intertwine. It's kind of like that web of, uh, I forget who talked about it, but like the web of connections that we have, yeah. um, you know, and the experiences that you have, like that overlapping connection, everyone brings something into your life. And I think it's like, again, going back to that insecurity that we're taught to hold on to this insecurity of like, you know, losing ourselves in some way, even before we even found ourselves, you know, right. and that right. separates us from really seeing another person, you know, because we're so caught up in this, like, oh, we have to be ourselves. But it's like, your, your authentic self is built off of the relationships and the things you gain from other people. Absolutely. And dating is no separate from that, you know? Yeah. Humans, <laughs> humans, I feel like, uh, you know, we Everything about us revolves around the fact that we are, you know, creatures of, of each other. And we're, you know, we have communities and relationships and people and like, you know, everything that I feel like I do and am and know is because of like, you know, little pieces of everybody else in my life and my family and my friends and lovers and and all of that. It's like, it, it makes us who we are. Exactly. It's just, it's all the pieces added together and like whatever you choose to take from what feels the best and what resonates with you the best that's what you take going forward you know Absolutely. it's just we're taught I feel like a big thing is like we're taught to hold on to the pain you know to really identify with the pain and yes. the, you know the suffering and the sadness from there because that's the easiest emotion that's the quick you know that emotion fills you and it's, it's like you hold on to that and like we're taught to hold on to that like you know yes your feelings are valid but um holding on and like building the story on top of it you know, like that illusion, like illusionary story that we build of, you know, oh, I'm not good enough because of that or right. because you did that or, you know, oh, maybe I'm ugly or my boobs, whatever, you know, like yeah. you take to make it seem like something's wrong with you. But in the sense, it's just that that wasn't the connection or the, the depth of the connection that you truly need for yourself to build. And it's just one stepping stone to the next you know, and it always like, if you think about it as a ladder, like every relationship gets better and better, you know, and it's just about yeah. stepping up that ladder. Once one goes, it's like, okay, who's next? Like, right, exactly. And you can kind of take what be. you've going to be 10 times better. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You can take what you've learned from the past relationships. This didn't work. This mm-hmm. did. And like you said, it's like everything is almost just like building off of the next. Exactly. Exactly. I love it. Yeah. So... <laughs> So a little bit about being comfortable and we've talked about this a little because, you know, we kind of just talked about the fact that we've, we've both dated and had partners Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And I think being comfortable as a woman with sexuality is something I've wanted to talk about for a while, because Mm -hmm. I think 
especially right now, obviously I'm kind of taking quarantine and the craziness of the world right now out of the equation, but in 2020 in present time, it feels like women are now more than ever just taking control of their sexuality Mm. and, and being sexual beings and, and, and telling the world that that's okay. Because I think that for so long we were told that we weren't allowed to be sexual. Yeah. Yep. And it's so crazy to me because I was thinking about it today and there's, for anybody listening who doesn't know, uh, there's this thing called the whore Madonna dichotomy and it's actually mm-hmm. Freudian. Freud kind of yep. came up with this concept that men um, see all women as either the whore mm-hmm. or as the Madonna. And mm-hmm. you can love the first, but you desire the second and you'll never desire the Madonna, but you'll love them and you'll never love the whore, but you'll desire them. Yep. And it's such a crazy concept to me because I'm like, why can't women be both? Mm-hmm. Yep. Honestly, and- this is, oh, sorry. What were you going to say? No, no, please go ahead. <laughs> I feel like this is like the, the, the crazy thing is I keep going back to like the way that, you know, our society has developed. I think it's been a way to almost be able to keep us, keep us from really um, exploring and, you know, keep, keep, what's the word? Like keep, um, an equilibrium maybe, or like okay. a, a structure of being able to hold people, like follow people. What's the word? I can't even think of it right now. Anyways, um, I'll go for it. But like, <laughs> like, you know, stronghold people kind of in, in making them feel guilty for the ways that, you know, people are like it, it, by making it look like women are the problem. Men. Yes. Men are then I'm kind of losing I can't I can't find my words right now. That's fine. <laughs> but it's one of my favorite concepts because it's such a you know, that black and white circle that is kind of built on that. It's like this way of develop because you know, this whole world has been developed by men, you know. Right. And um the way that we're seen is like, you know, it's taking that's you know, taking the power away from women. That's what I'm trying to <laughs> taking the <laughs> that that's what I'm trying to say, you know, taking the power away from the women by giving it because we really do. Like, if you really think about it, we are probably really the most powerful. I really could say that very strongly. Um, yeah. and because we are the ones who create, you know, we're the ones who build in our bodies. Like just, we have so much power within ourselves just on a biological level. And then on top of that, the emotional capacity that we have to be able to um, empathize and care for each like for people our children just given that and men kind of don't have that they have to learn that through their interactions with women and caring because they don't have it as in, those hormones aren't as developed within them so absolutely and it's so funny you say that because I was just talking about this there's I feel like there's this thing that like especially growing up it's like whenever you were dating a guy and they like fucked up or did something wrong it was just like well you know you have to teach men you have to teach them and it's crazy that we've been taught as women our whole lives that we have to teach men to do everything yet for some reason we are the ones seen as weaker and not in as much power yep exactly exactly and I feel like that's the game it's been you know using our the powerful aspects of ourselves you know like our sexiness and our ability to be able to care you know the madonna aspect of those two sides um you know using those as and turning them into something that's negative by saying you know like our emotional capacity and empathy is something that is oh you're too sensitive oh 
you know, you're making too big of a deal out of that. Stop being too crazy or whatever. Or right. you're so you're you're being gross. You're just you know throwing yourself on people because you're sexualizing your body in this crazy way. When truthfully, that's their power because that's how you know if you even take like the sexuality. If it wasn't turned into this stigma, it's really powerful because you do grab attention, you know. And the Absolutely. kind of attention that you can grab, it's just been tailored into this way that it's only like this sexual thing, but it's really beautiful. A woman's body is art, you know. Um, one of my favorite things to paint, you know, (laughs) so it's like, there's so it's just, I feel like it's this way we've been taught to identify with these certain things in order to bring down the quality of women. And for sure. And it's interesting too, because men have, and I'm guessing it's because they just haven't had the stigma. They've been able Mm -hmm. to use their sexuality for everything. I mean, Mm -hmm. that animalistic quality is, you know, kind of, I feel like something that's instilled in men, whether it comes to work and like really going for what you want and being Mm -hmm. aggressive and being charming and doing, doing your thing in the dating world and finding the right mate for you and being able to do all that stuff. It's like, all of that is very like sexual energy. And for some reason, it's like men are able to kind of like use that in a way that's really positive. And then when a woman uses it, all of a sudden she's, she can't be trusted or she's a whore or she's, using her body and it's like yeah. it's it's just very interesting that we, we we do the same things but we're held to a difference we're held to the madonna standard even when we're kind of using that more quote-unquote whore side yep exactly and i even like you know going way back in the day like you, you said like animalistic kind of like yeah. i feel like, like i really feel that because you know like back in the day being really strong and, you know, powerful to go into war or whatever, you know, like back in the day when we were like living off the land type of shit, you know, right. um, like needing to go off and, you know, going off to war, like that strength was really necessary to have that. And that was sexy because, you know, that was a part of the lifestyle. But I feel like, you know, we've held on to this concept, even to a point now where we've already exceeded kind of the laws of nature, you know, and like, you know, natural selection and those things, because we've been right. able to change and be able to manipulate the world around us and it's like why how how do we think if we have so much power to do that why do we still think that we have that these kinds of old notions of you know human nature or you know male and female nature are still held to these standards that literally have no no reason to be anymore you know it's like almost saying like the male back i'm sorry there's a horn going off <laughs> but you know back in the like being back in the day like being a strong man you know because men were told were the only ones who were allowed to work you know and do the big heavy grinding but it's now right. you know, we have all of these equal qualities that we're t- or well that we're trying to push but I think that's the whole point you know the men are still running the show so they're still trying to suppress that but right now I think we're really seeing how much that pushback is coming because we're seeing people are starting to open up to seeing that all of these ways that we associate with these people do not work. And they're like completely stuck in the system of the way we operate. Um, And they're suppressing the voices and the way, like the authenticity of our people and the way that we've actually developed over time to be able to care for one another. Absolutely. It feels like we're developing on this like very, very high speed rate right now. But for some reason, certain things like, women's sexuality is like kind of lagging behind and it's mm-hmm. becoming like the last thing that people it's like I feel like I talk to certain men and stuff that I consider very you know 
I guess for lack of a better word, like woke or accepting or like, you know, they've kind of just like, they've, they maybe like live in a bigger city and they've just like, they've, they've progressed in their thinking and even them will say something once in a while. And I'm like, whoa, like that is crazy that like someone like you that has this kind of like progressed way of thinking, like society still finds its way to like ingrain these, these patriarchal kind of like old school ways of thinking in your head when they're dating and stuff like that. And they're like, Oh, well I heard she gets around and stuff like that. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. you get around. Yeah. Like what? (laughs) Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Crazy. And it's a good segue into, like, slut-shaming and, and oh, yeah. something that I feel like every woman sees and every man has done pretty much their entire lives, even if they've done it on a subconscious level. Yep. And I think even right now, what's kind of crazy is like, I think the crazy with the way that we've, you know, been changing and things have been moving with like, um, how we're, you know, how we are, have more of a platform to be able to express the inequalities, you know, and the ways that these things are, it's there, it's almost the narrative has shifted. The narrative has shifted into this, like, Oh, I just lost my train of thought. Sorry, my sister That's just fine. walked in the door. <laughs> um, what what were we talking about? Um, slut shaming and how you were saying, like in this time with the platform and people are able to kind of like talk about these things, the narrative of shit has shifted. Yes, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. So um, the narrative has kind of shifted in the way that we are, um, you know, the way that women now, the way that we are all talking about it, it's almost like instead of the men having the power to be able to say that something's wrong with the women, the women are now taking on that kind of way of like slut shaming each other and saying there's a certain way, like it's, it's like they've, you know, find we've like, it's like this, this narrative that hasn't been unwritten, like the underlining subconscious narrative of like, there's a certain kind of the way you have power is by being more like a male or something, you know? Yes. And like, wow, that's so interesting. Because it's so funny. One of my notes for this episode was, mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about women who slut shame other women. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting that you that you the way that you worded it is so perfectly. It's like women who slut shame other women. I've always been like, hmm, why do they do that? Like, why mm-hmm. do they do that? But you said it perfectly. It's like men are considered more powerful, considered more dominant, almost like have this subconscious need to be more like men. So there are women who have that subconscious need to be like men to the point where they're judging their own sex because Mm -hmm. they're seeing men do it. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that that's how the narrative has shifted where we've been lost to seeing that we're really just jumping. We're just changing. Like, it's almost like changing the definition of the way that we op, you know, of the way we operate, not realizing that that's where the underlining understanding is coming from. Like, yeah, you can be a powerful woman, but why does it have to be defined by these definitions that were created hundreds of years ago? Right. Exactly. A hundred percent. It's like there are women who are, you know, super, super successful. And it's like those women now, for some reason, are able to look down on women who haven't made it yet or who yep. are struggling with insecurities or who are hypersexual and all these things. And it's like, it almost be, it's like, it's like the same dynamics are still mm-hmm. happening. Like the same judgments, the same issues, 
you know, just because more women are in those power positions, it's like, there's still those, those almost like different positions of power and and people are still kind of feeling that they can judge others. It's, it's crazy. And girl, like even you going back to like the Madonna thing, I mean, exactly. It's like, you know, the women who are, you know, the powerful, strong ones who like have more, it's like that Madonna, you know, the Madonna and the one who, (laughs) the two sides, the ones who are like the really powerful there's like two sides of the power. Like there's a really sexy girls, you know, on Instagram who are like all, you know, Instagram famous and beautiful. And it's like, well, those girls are the desirable ones, but everyone's going to assume they're stupid or don't have any, you know, any depth or whatever. And then like the girls who are in, you know, who are in office or who in the big CEO positions and stuff, they, you know, are more conservative or have all of these kinds of, you know, attitudes and ways of being that are more on like the male spectrum of like stereotypes. Right. Absolutely. And like we're fighting on either side of saying what's better. And it's still right. still fighting that exact narrative of like being like this strong, you know, desensitized type of person is what makes you strong. And like, but being sexual and comfortable with yourself isn't. And just yeah. makes you like a, a, a prop or a show for the world, which is not true. You it's know? so crazy. And I, I talk about this a lot with like out of, out of all the people, but I talk about this a lot with Kim Kardashian and like, mm-hmm. listen, I'm not, uh, I, there are things that I think that I can disagree with her on. Do I think she perpetuates a standard of beauty? That's impossible. Mm-hmm. Yes. Do I think that she should talk about that more? Do I think she should Photoshop her photos less? Absolutely. But I still will defend her to the nines on certain things. And one of those is I feel like because she's Kim Kardashian, people and even women feel like they have a uh, a pass to judge her on things like the sex tape, which is literally just revenge porn. And you know what I mean? It's like, you know, it's been said like, oh, look at Kim Kardashian's eyes and her sex tape. She's obviously on Molly. And it's like, oh, if you God. take that to the bare bones and take her out of celebrity status, it's yeah. a woman on drugs being kind of used by somebody she thought she trusted. And then yeah. that video being sold behind her back. It's like, it's actually a really terrible, sad mm-hmm. thing. But because she's Kim Kardashian, she's held to the standard where now she's allowed to be kind of like slut shamed for yep. it. Yep. And I mean, I have a lot to say about Kim Kardashian and all, (laughs) (laughs) especially when it comes to like you know the sexualization and like you know the appropriation and whatnot that they all absolutely over. But that's definitely a very true fact. It still goes like I've I've definitely had this conversation as much as I like have so many issues with them um, on so many levels because they are very 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 extremely problematic. And I will state that super problematic. (laughs) problematic. There is you know they are they are still and especially her she still has that standard of where she has been, um, you know, given this lesser value of a person just because of, you know, something that a male did to her. Absolutely. And it's like, she'll post something. She could post anything. She could post some, you know, dumb picture of her with her like, you know, ridiculous ass and like box braids. And it's like the most problematic photo ever. And it's like that photo in itself is problematic, but like, I I still can't get behind somebody responding to it with like a screenshot of her sex tape. It's like, it's, it's, it's not okay. And for some weird reason, it's like, that's the biggest, I used to get in fights with my family when they'd be like, Oh, Kim Kardashian, you know, she's the one with the sex tape. And I'm like, it was revenge porn. It was literally sold behind her back. And she was like, you don't win a million dollar lawsuit if somebody didn't do something wrong. So like, yeah, Yeah. like I said, I totally agree with you. There's so much wrong with her, but it's like, it's, it's, That aspect of her is so interesting to me to see these women that are, you know, defending to the nines, women, 
and victims of sexual assault and stuff, but then kind of like making fun of someone like Kim for her sex tape. And I'm like, what's, there's not really a difference there, but she's this powerful, she's very powerful woman. So she's kind of held this standard where like, it's okay to kind of like make fun of that. It's just, it's just a, it's a weird dynamic with women in power and like kind of like the standards that they're held to and things like that. Exactly. Oh, 100%. And especially if they've like made a look like a kind of, it's like women can't like branch out, you know, if they've made this kind of image. I mean, I've followed, I even many different women who I've seen turn from, you know, this very sexy, the very typical sexy Instagram model type girl into, you know, their very passionate love for spirituality or, you know, social justice or, um, you know, history or whatever, you know, they're into. And right away, you know, like their whole demographic and the way that people respond and, you know, how many people actually are following them or watching their stuff completely shifts and goes away, you know, because it's like, you can't be both. You can only be one. Exactly. You cannot be both. It's like a woman could gain 100,000 Instagram followers because she posts really hot pics. And then maybe she also has a great business mind and she starts a business and makes a million dollars. She will always be an Instagram model to the mind of people in in public. She will, oh, it doesn't matter if she's an entrepreneur. It doesn't matter if she gets a, it doesn't matter if she becomes a freaking doctor. If she's beautiful and she loves her body and she's, you know, maybe post things where she looks a little bit sexual she's always going to be an Instagram model. She's always going to be reduced to that. And it does not matter what else she does. That's, that is who she is. And it's crazy that you cannot be both. Yep. And like have to fight and like be, you know, speak for herself and like, like, you know, not, not speak for herself, but prove herself almost. And it's like, why, why do we have to, oh my God, that women have to, to tooth and nail, you know, explain themselves, but yet, when they do, it's like, oh, you're being too much or you're being too extra or you don't yes. need to explain yourself. But it's like, whoa, you, like there's so much lack of disrespect and such like a double dichotomy, like of like where you just it's like you're never you can never it never works like you, it never it'll never work, you know, or it'll exactly. never be accepted no matter what you say, no matter which way you turn it. Exactly. And I get it. I even get it all the time. It's like I'll post something political and I'll get like, of course, you know, some some dude in the DMs from, from a fake account who's like, oh, you have no idea what you're talking about. Shut up. And it's like, why yeah. do you assume that I don't know what I'm like? I, I could have a poli sci degree from Harvard yeah. for all you know. Like, why do you automatically assume that I don't know what I'm talking about? Because I also like have topless photos on my Instagram. Like yeah. what's the, there's no, there's no, I don't understand the correlation between those two things. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's like, I think recently that was something with my Instagram page. Like I was super inactive for like, I really just liked it to be able to, you know, read things that I was really interested in. And I've always yeah. been like a very geeky girl. I like stuff. I mean, I studied philosophy in college. That was my major. So I like yeah. really like information and, you know, crazy different concepts and stuff like that. But I was always scared on Instagram. I was like, there's a certain kind of image, you know, that you're supposed to be able to present and you want to be you know, like attractive almost on Instagram, like literally, like your page needs to look a certain way, like everything about it needs to be, you know, something that's grabbing. And there was, there was this like insecurity that was built around posting and like being on there because I was like, I'm not being my real self. How do I, how do I present myself here the way that's comfortable and, you know, true to me? So what I started doing recently, at least in the past, like, you know, half year, year, year or so, um, and I've started adding 
you know, posting my photo of like myself where I'm appreciating myself or whatever, you know, cool photo I took of uh, someone took of me or whatever. And then writing something underneath that, like, you know, I'm passionate about or that I feel means a lot. And it's like trying to bridge that gap between like, you know, being smart and having, you know, ambition and dedication and understanding of the world around you on top of being someone who wants to be sexy and attractive. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a perfect way to bridge it too for women who kind of want to find that medium. It's like, Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with taking a selfie. There's nothing wrong with liking the way you look that day or thinking you're hot Mm -hmm. or putting on a bathing suit and taking a mirror selfie. And it's Mm -hmm. like, there's, why is it weird to kind of like post your thoughts, which is like Mm -hmm. what Instagram is for, right? Mm -hmm. With that picture. It's like there, there, you should be able to do both. And I think it's good that you kind of like found that kind of way to kind of be like, look, I love this picture, but also like, let's talk about this thing that's been bothering me or whatever it is. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. It's crazy. And I even, I I think back to when I was writing this episode, I was like thinking back to like, I was like, what was the very first time that I ever, I ever saw a woman be slut shamed. Mm. And it it was so early. It was seventh grade and it was a new girl in my middle school. And I went to a private school, so we had to wear uniforms, but like, you know, one Friday of the month, you know, you could dress down and you could Mm -hmm. wear wear whatever you wanted. And I remember she wore a a t-shirt and a long skirt, like a literal maxi skirt down to the floor. But the skirt was white and she was wearing a thong and it wasn't anything crazy. You couldn't even, it was, she wasn't like, she didn't have the straps up. You could just tell in the sun because the, the skirt was white that she was wearing that type of underwear. And I think most of the girls in my grade hadn't started wearing that underwear yet. And it immediately became this thing where she was like looked at differently for it. And like, made fun of by other women and it was like oh she's wearing a thong and it was like it was insane that that early in age it's like we were already judging other women not just us but like the boys too of course immediately started sexualizing her and it was just this crazy thing and then of course you know that goes through to high school and women are incredibly slut shamed in high school and god forbid you're like exploring your sexuality all of a sudden you're the biggest slut in school and you're becoming you know, you're getting ostracized, but it's crazy how early it really starts. Oh yeah. And I think even, I mean, I think back to me, I was, I was early sexualized, but very, very early through, you know, just like some uncomfortable, you know, sexual traumas and stuff from a very young age. So very quickly I understood sexuality and what that meant. And me, my, both me and my sister were like absurdly boy crazy too. Like we just thought everyone was cute. And I also (laughs) had to do with like some kind of, you know, aspect to, you know, our abuse or whatever, but which I've come to this, I know that's heavy, but like (laughs) I've come to a place of understanding and it's like, I, I take a lot of my, you know, past and like the traumas I've been through and they, you know, developed me into the person that I am today. And I have nothing, I, yes, it's painful and yes, it's hard for me to go through it, but instead of using it as something to victimize my, or I don't want to say that, not victimize, but like, you know, um, you know, uh, debilitate myself with, um, I use it as like a power to kind of, you know, learn more and be able to support and empathize, you know, for the wider community of people. Um, but with that, you know, I feel like, especially when kids, you do go through things like that, they get quickly sex, you know, into that sexualized understanding of the world where women are meant to be these sexy, you know, people meant, you know, you want to be desired that like need to be desired by somebody. Um, And I think 
that quick understanding and going through that like need of like always wanting the guy to like you or wanting your crush to like you. I always was, both me and my sister were very outgoing and we were always very much so, you know, friends with everybody, talking to everyone and always wanting the boy, you know? So (laughs) it was always, I think for me, I was always very sexualized. Like one of the first times, like I, both me and my sister started growing our boobs um, in elementary school. And in fifth grade, I was already wearing a bra and people wow. would make fun and like yell and make fun of us and be like, oh, wow, you have, you have boobs. Like that's so gross. Girls being awful. Like I remember going into the bathroom and like, you know, just hiding during recess because girls would be making fun of me for wearing a bra and whatever. That is and, so insane to me. Yeah. And it's crazy. It's like, it's like that too. But at the same time, you know, the men loved you for it especially having boobs that so I like quickly going into like middle school and stuff um and being teased so much when I was younger you know for being a kid and then going into middle school where I went to another school with different kids um I used like I found myself jumping into this kind of concept or idea that I had to be this sexy outgoing you know like basically hypersexualized type of girl to get attention and yeah. to get people to like me because if I was the pretty popular girl, the, all the girls would want to be friends with me and all the guys would want to date me. Yes. So like, how can I best use myself and like my sexual, my sexualization in order to be appreciated and liked? And that's what we're taught is like the sexier and the prettier you are. I mean, of course, with like the media and everyone who's in, you know, what we, sh- we are shown is that pretty is what gets you somewhere. Sexy is what gets you somewhere. Like that's how, even in the big, big leagues and stuff, like a lot of, I know in the film industry, it's a big issue with like, and modeling and stuff, you know, where the women have, or women and men even, um, have to sleep with their person in order to get the big gigs. Yep. Whoever's like getting, or the photographer in order to get the big gigs and stuff. And it's like, it's that concept of, you know, we have to use our bodies in order to be appreciated and lose the depth of ourselves. But if we go into the depth of ourselves, we have to take away the sexualization. Like we're right. no longer so allowed crazy. to be okay. You were already like appreciated or allowed to be appreciated in that. Yeah. Sense. And it's, it's crazy too. Cause it's like, of course, somebody who, you know, develops earlier or whatever is going mm-hmm. to end up becoming more hypersexual because it's like, if you're only getting negative feedback from women and you're only getting positive feedback from men, you're going to adapt and you're going to be like, okay, the women don't accept me. The men do. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I'm going to chase that feeling because yeah. as, especially as like a young kid, you like the idea of someone being mean to you is so gut wrenching. It's like, oh my God, like I cannot handle this. Who's the only person being nice to me and why are they being nice to me? Oh, it's men. And it's because they yeah. like my boobs. And then you, you feed off of that. Yep. Exactly. And even like, I found myself, you know, always, I became that girl who was like, oh, I only like boys. I only want to be friends with boys, blah, blah, blah. Things like that, that develop, you know, and even when, you know, talking about the concept of like, you know, being more like a man and that make giving you more power. Like I even subconsciously, you know, subconsciously and had to quickly learn and jump out of that getting enticed into like college and stuff. I realized that, that issue, you know, like where I was, you know, creating this stigma of like where you couldn't be, you know, this stereotype of a woman in order to be strong and to be able to have good conversations and to be able to be intelligent and whatever, you know, like, yeah. 
it's, and then the it's, hardest it's part about that too, I think, is like, is like as you get older, it's like those same men that are that want you and that are complimenting you and that are like in some sense, in some cases, sexually harassing you are the mm-hmm. same men that are shaming you for being that way. And exactly. that's the craziest part. It's like I talk about that all the time. How I feel like I get shamed for this podcast by the same men who are like mm-hmm. begging me to make an OnlyFans, right? It's mm-hmm. like it's the same people. There's like a really interesting. It's actually a cra- crazy quote. I'm, I'm uh, defending a lot of people who are notoriously, um, you know, not loved by a lot of people today. But yeah. Mia Khalifa is somebody that I also consistently defend. Yeah, and she has an incredible quote where she talks about how, you know, she had it so hard when her porn first started coming out because like ISIS put out a public statement, like, like basically saying that like they didn't want her, like they didn't want her alive. And like, she was obviously, I think she was like banned Mm -hmm. from the Middle East. Like it was crazy. Mm -hmm. And then a couple years later, Pornhub released findings that her porn was um, consumed more in the Middle East than anywhere else in the entire world. And she was like, this is the most fucked up part is that I am being shamed by the same men who are watching my porn more than anybody else in the entire world. Yep. Yep. And it just goes back to this double standard of men kind of wanting this, this pornographic, like, oh, girl. But like, the second that you do that, they start, they look down on you. Yep, exactly. And it's even, it's, I think it's even that insecurity, you know, that of like, where it goes to that double standard of like, where we're like, teach women you know, you know, how to protect themselves, but it's like, we don't teach men. It's kind of the same thing. It's like, we don't teach men that it's okay to be, feel like to have feelings and over, you know, over because men are really horny. Like they have that, that's one of their things. That's what they, their biggest, you know, thing they go through in pure puberty is realizing their sexual needs and whatnot. And it's like, that's okay. But yet I feel like men are told to hide that and put that in the closet and have this strong. And it's like by suppressing that emotion, it builds this almost like this aggression deep down, you know, because you're not taking care and paying attention to your actual what actually is going on with you. Absolutely. Yeah, it's crazy. I think I read recently that um, this doctor, I I think he might have been the Surgeon General, and he was like asked to step down because he was advocating for masturbation to be part of required curriculum in sex ed. And it's crazy that was met with such, you know, this like ferocious, like, oh, we absolutely cannot do that. I can't believe you would even suggest that. But it's like, it goes back to that. Like, if, if you suppress the fact that like naturally we are sexual beings mm-hmm. and that we masturbate and that we want to have sex, it yeah. builds shame in women and aggression in men. Oh yeah. And even like going back to like a, a, to Freud and like what he talks about, um, he, you know, talking, he speaks about it. I mean, it's kind of his concept. It, it's a lot bigger than this and it has a lot more, you know, it's bigger than what I'm going to explain right now. But um, <laughs> the concept of the basic concept of it is that, as kids, um, and especially with the way that we are taught and the way that we build, as kids, like parents, you know, they they reprimand their kids for being, you know, sexual almost, you know, because like kids, their first love are their parents. And so kids yes. can get, you know, very, you know, interested or questionable about like what their parents, you know, genitals and things like that. Or, you know, if a kid is kissing their friend or, you know, has these interactions and we reprimand them and make them feel guilty and as a young kid Freud said like as a young kid that like that hurts you big time and what he he describes it as this like way we take that pain of like oh shit you know 
we're doing something wrong yet. That was so natural for me, but I don't know how to deal with it because I'm so young and I don't have the ability to be able to understand how to take care of this part of myself. I'm going to stuff this away in the box really deep down. And it, it, it ends up building these kinds of, um, inconsistent and bizarre, like, you know, mannerisms and, um, addictions and things like that from all different levels he talks about, which are, he's been debunked on a lot of things for it. But I do truthfully believe this as like being a kid and being told that, you know, your openness and your questionability of like all of these things that you're just learning and developing at such a young age with no, you know, your brain's mush basically, you know, it's like, it's open for everything. And to be reprimanded and told that something that feels so natural for you is so awful and disgusting. You become you like, as you get older, it's like this insecurity and fear. Once you start actually developing those capacities to actually feel that you feel yeah. it wrong. So then you, you reprimand, you continue to reprimand people for it. And Absolutely. when it's something that is actually and it, but it's so inherently natural for us, it causes issues, obviously, <laughs> because we're suppressing something that is natural and healthy for us. Yeah. And then people wonder why human sexuality is so complicated. It's like, well, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's <pretty> obvious, right? <laughs> right? Exactly. It's crazy. Yeah. So the last thing I kind of want to touch on is just, you know, I think a lot of this is like, how then as women and what advice do we have to women who want to be comfortable being sexual beings and also being a strong and powerful woman? It's like, how do you, how do you find that, that line where you feel like you can be both and still feel comfortable with it? Honestly, I feel like I know um, how I like, I, I was trying to think about this because, you know, um, I feel like being your best self, it comes with really going deep down. And right. I always say start with writing. And I always recommend in this case, go through, like, take a minute if it comes to being like of your sexual partners and your sexual experiences um, and write down all of the people you've been with, the good and, and write like the good and the bad and do that for everybody. And then go back over it and see what it is you learned, like based on those good and bad things. What good thing, what those good things showed you about appreciating yourself or a relationship or whatever, you know, you gained from that and what the bad things showed you about moving forward and being better for yourself and really try to internalize that and understand. And that can help you to begin to understand the, what you gain and how you can understand what you gain from your interactions with people. Right. And ways to look into your interactions with people and what you like, how they can be of benefit to you and how they can be something of growth and, you know, development, I guess, yeah, instead of something that's heart, you know, heart wrenchingly hurtful, because we do have to work through a lot of the pain. Um, but instead of just identifying it as something that's so negative, but really working through it and you know, flipping it on its back and turning it into what did I learn from that? Like just taking each step because it's going to be, I mean, it's not changing anytime soon, this whole dynamic. Right now we're in the midst of things that I hopefully will, you know, go somewhere new. But yeah, I feel like it just takes, it takes that going really inner and like looking at what you've learned from your experiences um, to make you better for your next experiences. 
Absolutely. And I feel like that just comes down to like, like you said, seeing every experience and every partner and everything you've done as like, this made me who I am today. Everything that I've done, there's nothing, you know, obviously some things excluded, including like, you know, murder and stuff. But like, (laughs) other than that, like everything I've done is like not to be, there's nothing to be ashamed of. It's made me who I am today. Yeah. Like one of my favorite quotes, I actually haven't even tattooed on me is like, never have regrets because at one point, everything you did was exactly what you wanted. Right. Exactly. It's like that concept of when you, when you make a decision and it's also like, that goes even deeper into like learning who you are. And like, because if you don't make the decision, the decisions are made for you. So the decision and you see if you, or if you don't make the decision, you, you can real, if you go back and look at it, you can decipher and see where you're actually making your decisions for yourself um, and where you and where you can change those those decisions to make them more aligned with what feels better what feels good in your gut what feels good for you and right for you you 100 and just trusting yourself and being like I did this I I wanted to do it at the time it felt good and that's fine it's okay to do things just because they feel good like we're allowed to do that and men have been doing that since the beginning of time exactly like I, I always say like regret and never like to take regret out of your vocabulary, you know, make everything a lesson learned. Mistakes are just another lesson to teach you what to do better in the next round, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's a great place to wrap up. This was amazing. That hour went by weirdly quick. Yeah, I know. That was a great combo too. I love that. <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. I can't, I looked up at the time and it's been 53 minutes and I'm yeah. like, oh my God. <laughs> I know crazy well thank you so much for being on this is such an incredible episode I'm so excited me too thank you so much for having me truly Rhea I'm so excited thank you yeah of course I'll make sure your socials are down below for anybody who wants to check you out and see what you have to say along with your gorgeous pictures and the great balance you've been able to find um and I'll talk to you soon yes absolutely I can't wait thanks girl so So much much. bye-bye bye If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.